everybody, and welcome back to Puck University. I'm your host, Tim Williams, from down in the Tampa Bay area in Florida, and joining me, as always, from up in the Boston area, Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. This is the 2018-2019 Puck University Season Preview, Part 1 of 2 maybe more but definitely going to be part one of at least two we're going to go through the country go through the preseason polls in both the uscho national poll and each of the individual conferences we're going to be giving you our thoughts on some of the contenders some of the schools that might surprise you some of the schools that might be falling off just a little bit and You know, it's only a couple of weeks away, and in fact, they've already started playing games on the women's side. Welcome to college hockey season, Chris Lynch. God, it's so great to be back. It's just, it's wonderful to have have the best college sport back up in action. And what will signal it for me is Hockey East Media Day is this upcoming Monday, October 1st, uh, at the Legends Club at TD Garden, so I'm fortunate enough to get to be uh up there so uh that'll be the definitive we're back everybody the uh men's regulation games begin play on october the 6th which is a week from saturday so it's so close it's really really so close Uh, let's get into it because uh this is the best time of year to start off with i think Uh, and and this is a strange but really, really exciting year, I think. I, I'm not sure that we've had as much, uh, as much excitement for, uh, for a preseason as, uh, as we've had for this one, I think. I'd have to agree with you, and I would say the college hockey world in general, and especially certain conferences, just wide open. There really aren't a lot in the way of clear preseason favorites but of course in the interest in getting started we're going to start with the clear preseason number one the defending champions and if they actually did go wire to wire and make it back to the frozen four make it back to the national championship game this might be the beginning of at least in college terms a bit of a dynasty the minnesota duluth bulldogs are your preseason number one and number one with a bullet they get almost all the first place votes out of 50 in the uscho poll they get 44 they're also the favorites in the nchc of course I mean, they're the defending national champions, but uh, they have one thing that a that it doesn't appear a lot of other teams can even pretend to boast is some real stability. I've noted that Denver had a big change uh, at the head coaching spot and their captain signing an NHL contract and not returning to uh, to Magnus Arena in the middle of the summertime. And uh, it looks like Denver's in a little bit of an upheaval. St. Cloud State had some significant change, particularly with Bob Motzko taking the University of Minnesota job. Scott Sandlin, he's been there for a while. He won, he's won two national championships. He won his first in 2011 and uh, with, with UMD, and he won last year. And it was a very unexpected championship last year especially the way it came because it was such a blue line dependent team and they rolled five freshmen and one sophomore and they performed masterfully. They looked like 
seniors and juniors and upperclassmen who put on a clinic at many points throughout the tournament. And most of those defensemen are back for another go around. So I think, of course, they're going to be the favorites with Louis Rails, Scott Perunovic, Dylan Sandberg. You know, all these guys coming back for another year. They ought to be excited up in Duluth because they could have a dynasty. And it would be three straight frozen fours for them if they were to make it back again. And if they win the NCHC, that's two out of three because the year Denver steamrolled people in twenty in 2017, Denver did not win the NCHC tournament. They got knocked out by North Dakota just to show you how deep that conference is. Yeah, that's going to be – well, it was last year, and I would say it looks like it's going to be again this year. The NCHC is – the best conference right now in college hockey, and that's going to be an absolute gauntlet. That's the first place where preseason polls within a conference and preseason polls nationally seem to disagree, and you already touched on it, and that's Denver, who's ranked number ninth in the country by USCHO, but in the NCHC poll, they're fifth behind Duluth, as we mentioned, St. Cloud State, number two. They're also high up, and they're a top 10 team in the USCHO rankings. Then you have North Dakota, who looks to be another fierce, formidable squad, as the Fighting Hawks always are. The You've got Western Michigan, and then Denver. And that brings me to what I think is going to be the story, maybe one of the stories of the NCHC this season. We touched on it a little last year. But one of the greatest rivalries in college hockey, I think it's all the way back this year. Denver and Colorado College in the NCHC poll on paper and really, I think, in practice are very close together in terms of how good both of those teams are. So here's a classic college hockey rivalry that had kind of laid dormant for a while while Colorado College got their footing back and while Denver was competing for national championships. But it looks like Colorado College is back on the rise, and that's going to be a lot of fun in what's already a fun conference. I think I think you're probably right on that on that money. I think they saw they saw a lot of development last season, and they had a had plenty of opportunities for them to. Uh, they could have folded. They had a bunch of trips early on, which they came out to New Hampshire and split with uh, split with the Wildcats, but. It's a good team. Uh, I could see Colorado College surprising some people and moving up the ranks a little bit. I could see uh, I could see North Dakota giving uh, giving St. Cloud and uh, and Duluth a run for their money. I will say that it's worth noting that within the the NCHC poll for the first place votes, Duluth gets twenty of them. St. Cloud gets six. North Dakota and Western Michigan, who finished third and fourth, didn't receive any first place votes. Denver got a first place vote got the the one remaining out of the 27 first place votes and i can't help but think that denver is going to slip a little bit this year they're just in such a big big transition mode that i can't help but wonder if uh if they'll fall and i kind of expect that colorado college takes the jump and uh and leapfrogs the pioneers this season i think the rivalry will be fun just think Colorado College leapfrogs them in the standings this year. I wouldn't disagree. And that one first place vote within the NCHC poll for Denver, 
I think it just shows how uncertain, how much uncertainty there is around the pioneers right now, as they transition to a new coach, as they transition to a new roster, they're still going to be a loaded team. They had a great recruiting class coming in. They have, you know, their coach isn't out of nowhere. He was an assistant there as well. So they have the makings of a very good team, but this is a conference where you can be a very good team and still finish fifth or sixth. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I also think of uh, that dominating Denver squad, and I think how many pieces are left from uh, from that unit, which steamrolled to a national championship. And, well, Liam Finley is still there. He's a good player. Jared Lucas Savages is still there, and he is he's a senior, and he was the most valuable player in that Frozen Four in Chicago, scored a hat trick to uh, which were all three Denver goals. Colin Staub is still uh, is still playing, and he's a captain of that team. Interesting. Colin Staub is from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and ended up in Denver. I'm pretty certain that uh, there's some questions to be asked about uh, how he went from Tiger Country to uh, to being a pioneer, but I that's beside the point a little bit, I think. I just can't help but wonder how much of a transition they're going to have. I know that Dave, David Carl will be a good coach. It's just I, I think a lot of teams do struggle in their – can struggle at least in their first year under a new coach. BU struggled mightily under David Quinn in their first year. They were a well under 500 team his first year behind the bench after Jack Parker retired. Uh, it's not quite the same situation because Jim Montgomery was there from 2008, 13 until 2018. So you're looking at a five-year run in which he transformed Denver into a successful program. And it'll be hard for David Carl to live up to that kind of standard. If he comes anywhere close, I give him my nod for the Penrose. If David Carl comes anywhere near close, if he has an even third in the NCHC, I'll give him a nod for the Penrose as the best coach in college hockey. I think he's my person that I'm paying the most attention to uh, this upcoming season for coaches, at least. And to your point earlier, it doesn't take much of a slip to fall down in a conference as tough as the NCHC. So Denver really to stay at the level they've been for the last few years, they wouldn't be able to afford any kind of slip up even early in the season you're going to need to go wire to wire and just play great hockey throughout to really compete in the nchc because that's the conference they've sculpted over the last few years and it doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon i mean really nor should it that's going to be the duluth at the top which really they're the top team especially with all the stability that they have north dakota is a factory. They churn in players because they have in that conference, they really have the probably the biggest long standing, uh, most long standing name competing with Denver. But I think North Dakota generally has a uh, has a more accepted uh, big time name and doesn't really matter how many people graduate. They're going to keep bringing more and more people in. Uh, and Brad Berry has got a good got a good program going for him so don't leave the player that i'll pay attention to on colorado college who i think could make the biggest difference is alex leclerc he's a junior from quebec only 5 11 but he's quick and he's got the skill set and the reaction time that 
he can keep Colorado College in games. It's just a question of uh, how the offense in front can continue to produce because you need to be a fully balanced team in order to uh, in order to come out of this conference. You can't just lean on. I think Duluth leaned on their defense just barely enough, and maybe in the uh, in the NCHC tournament a little bit too much. They leaned on their defense and their goaltending, and they didn't have the offense, which reemerged, I think, in the NCAA tournament. Part of the reason they won behind Carson Coleman being so excellent. But I just wonder if. Colorado College has the full balance to be able to keep up with the big dogs in the NCHC. It it's a grind in that conference as we're establishing and as they've established over the last few years. But I I don't think there's any question that Minnesota Duluth is a considerable favorite even in that conference. But then you have a St. Cloud State team that also is in transition. They have a new coach in his first year with the program, but they also have an extremely loaded roster. And something else I'll say about these NCHC schools, there is no room for not being a contender. Everyone who follows these programs expects them to be a contender pretty much every year. Certainly that's true of North Dakota and to a degree Denver, but it's also become true in recent years for St. Cloud State, Minnesota, Duluth, and others. You have to be good. And that's not just because of the conference. That's because of the expectations. St. Cloud State will be playing with those expectations. And I think for them, it's not a pressure thing. I think it's a good thing that will keep them from having that kind of stumble in a first year with a head coach. I totally agree with that. I mean, you can have a successful transition from one coach to another and that, uh, well, actually North Dakota did that 2015. They made it to the 2014 and 15. They made it to the frozen four uh, behind Dave Hackstall, who then took the head coaching job in Philly with the flyers. Then the next year, 2016, Brad Berry, first year coach, they ride a super talented team too with, you know, Drake Kajula and Brock Besser because that's totally fair and rode their way to a frozen four in which they edged out Denver in game one of the frozen four in Tampa in your neck of the woods and then pummeled Quinnipiac, who I think that year was the number one overall seed. So you absolutely can. It's just, you got to come off the, off the blocks ready to fire and, I can absolutely see uh, it's a junior and senior laden team that uh, that St. Cloud has. The the few freshmen that I see, like uh, Brendan Bushy and uh, Sam Hentages, I hope I pronounced that correctly. I probably didn't. It's an interesting unit. It's it's an almost entirely except for their goaltender. It's an American born and and in most ways an American developed. Uh, team like there's not a lot of guys who came out of the Canadian junior system which I think is part of the calling card of Minnesota is that they go after Minnesota guys or guys from that part of the upper Midwest and St. Cloud fits into that mold particularly my only question with them do they have the goaltending they ran into an Air Force team in the in the tournament last year that isn't known for high-powered offense and their defense and goaltending uh, had a bad game against a team that has struggled to score goals. 
that's my only question about uh, St. Cloud moving into this season is do they have the defense to be able to keep up with everyone else. St. Cloud also has, uh, here's where I have my question about them. They have an out-of-conference schedule that, let's just say, it's going to require some frequent flyer miles. They start their season with an exhibition against Mount Royal, and then they head to Alaska for two games for a weekend series with, with Fairbanks. Then they're home for Northern Michigan, who's also a very good squad out of the NCH or out of the WCHA, and who, of course, has some history with St. Cloud State. Immediately after that weekend series at home with Northern Michigan, they do something that has that seems to be becoming a tradition for at least one NCHC school a year. They come to Boston for two games. They take on BC on October 25th at Connie Forum. And then two days later on October 27th, a Saturday, they're at Matthews Arena to take on Northeastern. So they're going from pretty much both ends of the country. They've got to go to play Alaska at the beginning of October. And at the end of October, they're in Boston. That's a lot of plane miles. And we talk about that in, in the WCHA a lot. It's going to apply early on in the season to St. Cloud State. Oh, and immediately after that game against Northeastern, the next week, Friday and Saturday, they're in Colorado Springs to play Colorado College, to start conference play. So not only is the out-of-conference schedule, just the travel for it, brutal, once you start, so you're going from Alaska back to St. Cloud to BC to Northeastern to Colorado Springs, and then you host Denver. That schedule is absurd. That kind of start to a season is is something to marvel at, and it's it'll be the test. You can't have a bad start in that conference. So uh, St. Cloud, I think we'll know who they are through, at least in some general sense. I think they'll uh, ha- I think they'll hold their own, but it, it that's going to be a real test early on. Even going up to Alaska, where uh, the Nanooks are uh, are not expected to do that well in the WCHA. That's still a hard task and a hard trip to make. They're a D1 program, and uh, St. Cloud's got to go up there. Have fun, guys, and then have fun starting the NCHC on the road against Colorado College and up and upstart program in this conference. Yeah, it's not so much a brutal out-of-conference schedule for who they play, although those two games against BC and Northeastern are going to be tough. Those are both ranked teams in the preseason poll and have a lot of stability in their programs from the coaching as well. So they're going to be tough opponents. You mentioned Alaska, not so tough, but going out there is tough. And while we're talking about out-of-conference schedules, let me just take a look here at what Minnesota Duluth faces in the first month of the season. They start with a home-and-home against Minnesota. Then they head to Michigan Tech, which is a place that, well, the Huskies are good this year. And you don't want to have to go to the Upper Peninsula and win games if you absolutely don't have to. But they're going to have to do that early on in the season. 
Then they get a couple home games against Maine. They should win those. Maine is going to be an improved program, but they sh- but Minnesota Duluth has every advantage on paper. But after that, they go to South Bend, Indiana to finish off October at Notre Dame. So that's road games alone. They're at Minnesota on October 7th. The next weekend, the 12th and the 13th of October, they're in Michigan Tech. And then at the end of October, the 26th and 27th, they're playing Notre Dame. So we're going to talk about brutal out-of-conference schedules. You have to start with Minnesota Duluth. They're playing a champion schedule. I mean, uh, I actually asked uh, – it was asked in a press conference I was in of Jerry York, who for BC schedules his teams to have hard schedules and runs 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 it as though they could beat anyone they play against. And his answer was, oh, we think we should beat these teams. And if we want to play a championship schedule, if we want to, you know, be champions, we got to beat good teams. And you, I admire and respect uh, what Duluth is doing for their scheduling. And it should be said that uh, that series with uh, with the Gophers is a home and home. So the Saturday night, the Saturday eight p.m. They're at home against the Gophers, and then Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon, they're going to Mariucci, one of the staple places and one of the cathedrals of college hockey to go and play the Gophers, who are going to be a good team this year again, I think. And note, Duluth made it into the NCHC tournament last year by one thousandth of a point over the Gophers. Throw that on to uh, to uh, a rivalry between two schools that don't like each other. That's going to be fun, and have fun with that one, guys. Have fun, Duluth. Well, we talked earlier about programs that expect to win every year because of their history and because of their fan base and because of their resources, and that's not just limited to the NCHC, of course. They're going to start with Minnesota, who is every bit the same kind of a program that expects to be in contention every single year, and then you've got Notre Dame, who just has been every single year in the last few. They've been excellent in those two road games at the end of October. That's a that's a rough schedule, but they chose this. This isn't this isn't like the pro sports leagues where they schedule you and you've got to play the games in front of you. College teams, as we all know, they choose their schedule. So Minnesota Duluth wanted this, and the way they've been playing, this is the kind of stuff that shows a team's championship medal, even if it's early on and there's so much hockey season in front of them. They still, if they can win those games, if they can look good in that early season schedule, it's just going to confirm what we already seem to know about the Minnesota Duluth program and how good they've been and how good they are. Oh, and by the way, it's a rematch of the national championship game from last year. And how much do you think Notre Dame wants to beat Duluth? Because actually in two of Notre Dame's trips to the Frozen Four this decade, They've made uh, they've made four in their history. Oh eight, when they lost the national championship game to BC. Eleven, when they got knocked out by Duluth uh, in the first game in St. Paul. Twenty seventeen, they got knocked out by Denver. And last year in the national championship game, Notre Dame lost to Duluth. That's two times that a Notre Dame bid for a national championship was ended by Duluth. How frenzied do you think those Fighting Irish fans are going to be? Particularly 
with just where those two teams are in the polls right now, Notre Dame is currently ranked second. They're right behind Duluth in uh, in the early season rankings. So if you're thinking of early season games to circle on your calendar, go ahead and circle that whole weekend between Duluth and Notre Dame in South Bend. That'll be a must-watch, uh, must-watch game, must-watch series, I should say. Really, the entire month of October for Duluth is must-watch. I want to see them play Minnesota. I really want to see them at Michigan Tech because I think Michigan Tech could be they're 18 in the preseason poll. I think they could be better than that. And that's, uh, we've talked about it a lot last year. The WCHA is on the rise. They're on the way back. They were, you know, the conference that still exists, that's hardest hit by the realignment from a few years ago, but they seem to have worked their way back toward that kind of prominence they were so used to before. And, I think Michigan Tech could be the class of another, and we're going to have a lot of these this year, wide open conferences. I agree with that. And I, taking a look at uh, what the uh, the ranking is for uh, for the WCHA this year, I have some disagreements about uh, about where uh, we might expect uh, some of these guys. Uh, guys to go currently uh minnesota state has uh has the top spot in this is in the coaches poll minnesota state has uh the top spot they have seven first place votes northern michigan is second with two first place votes bowling green is third they didn't get a vote at all and michigan tech ha- is in the fourth spot and has one one first place vote and i gotta say i'm a big believer in what the huskies are doing up up in uh, up on the up and i i like the stability that the program has they went from uh from mel pearson leading the way and really leading a renaissance because that's one of the proudest teams in in college hockey right now or in historically michigan tech has three national championships to their name and some of the best players of of all time going there for example tony esposito one of the great goalies ever that's a proud michigan tech program and mel pearson brought them back to relevance and joe cheyenne continued it they almost knocked out notre dame last year i just like the stability and uh, the, the style of players that they have on the roster spot i could absolutely see uh mankato slipping a little bit down down in the standings and my only question, and this is a general thing I have with preseason polls, I wonder how much of uh, we know what they have from last season, and uh, we're just expecting the the new year to uh, repeat what we had from last season. That's just my only question about uh, about Minnesota State's ranking for this upcoming year. I prefer That's Mich- all we can do with preseason polls. I, when I'm saying Michigan Tech, I think is going to be a great team this year. That's largely based on what they did last year because we've talked about that transition, that first year with a new head coach being rough on a lot of teams. It wasn't rough on Michigan Tech, and people really expected it to be because of how good Pearson had been for the Huskies. So now that they're – they proved last year that there's not much of a drop-off at all. And now they're in the second year with their new head coach. I think they're going to be a 
fun team to watch throughout the year. And like I said, I think the WCHA in general is going to be a lot of fun because those top four teams you mentioned, Minnesota State, Northern Michigan, Bowling Green, and Michigan Tech, I could see any of those four winning that conference, and that's always fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's part of the part of the uh, draw is that it's old-timey rivalries. You have the entire Upper Peninsula, and then you bleed into uh, other longtime programs. Bowling Green's won, won national championships. Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech, Lake State had a dynasty in, uh, in the late 80s and 90s. So you have some history there. And any organization, any any group that has that kind of history is something you got to pay attention to. So I just like what Joe Cheyenne is, uh, did his first year there, and I felt so bad for Michigan Tech when they lost in overtime. And it seems like there's enough people there who uh, who will remember that uh, that feeling of being knocked out in a remarkable sequence. Uh, in overtime so I, I would look for Michigan Tech to be one of the big spots I just can't help but think that the Mavericks lost a lot of pieces in uh, in Connor Lacuve, Zeb Newston and CJ Seuss none of whom are uh, are with the team anymore they've, they've all moved on to uh, to bigger and better things in uh, in the professional world so I just can't help but wonder with the biggest pieces of the team gone, I think Mankato will slip down uh, will slip down the rankings a bit this year for the WCHA. And one game to watch since we're going through games to watch, December 30th, the Great Lakes Invitational gets started. Michigan Tech's going to be there. Their first game, the one that we know they're going to play, against Michigan. Fun, right? Oh yeah, uh, particularly considering how they get to go up against Mel Pearson, who built them into a regular NCAA contender, and then, uh, uh, and then they get to, uh, and then they have an opportunity to take down their old coach. I think they're going to be pretty hyped for that. Fits into this is probably the other uh, notable middle of the season tournament that contends with the bean pot for being the uh, the biggest one so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch and of course michigan tech finishes the season with a home and home series with northern michigan so you mentioned the old rivalries of the wcha you don't get much more heated than that upper peninsula shootout that they have all the time between these two schools they play first a home and home on december 7th and 8th but then they close the season against each other on march 1st and 2nd so this is a team to peek in on and this is a conference to peek in on don't forget the wcha it it is not the minor conference it had become it's back to a degree and it's going to be a lot of fun because of the traditions of these schools. This is where the pageantry of college sports is going to take over a lot. Now let's see what ends up happening. I mean, you know what? I, I'd love to see two or three teams make it to the NCAA tournament from this conference next year. There were, there were two that made it in last year. Uh, Mankato, who got knocked out in overtime by Duluth, 
and Michigan Tech who got knocked out in overtime, both in their first games in the tournament by, uh, by Notre Dame. And both of those teams conducted themselves incredibly well. Both coaches from, uh, from uh, and conducted themselves incredibly well. So I hope that the WCHA continues to get good press and I, I hope that they continue to uh, conduct themselves well They're It's a good conference with good programs. So uh, it would be nice to get to see a little bit more program diversity out of the, uh, out of the, out of this sport, which has at times I've, I've had a few conversations with people who've offered the criticisms of it feels like the same seven or eight schools dominate the sport year in and year out. It'd be nice for the WCHA to offer a little bit of pushback, even though I don't think that argument is quite accurate. Uh, it would be nice to get to see uh, the WCHA push back on that a little bit more. I'd also suggest what college sport isn't these days um, kind of ruled by seven or eight programs. Cause I, I certainly look at the football rankings every year and it seems like we have the same few schools at the top of that one and, and basketball, not knowing anything about college basketball this year, I'm just going to go ahead off the top of my head and predict Duke and Kentucky probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, probably. I used to be a lot more into college basketball being from Connecticut and being a UConn fan, but uh, UConn basketball has slipped considerably. So Sometimes the uh, the power alignments do change, but uh, oh, by the way, speaking of places where uh, power alignments, I don't think are going to change. The Atlantic Hockey Conference, I think, is going to stay uh, Air Force country for the most part. And uh, this is one point where I'm completely agreeing with uh, with the poll results of uh, of that conference. Air Force got seven of the eleven first place votes with 97 total points. Canisius got four first place votes with 92 points. And then there's everybody else behind those two. The next closest is Robert Morris at 66 points. Yeah, it's going to be, it, it's going to be a showdown between Frank Serator's Air Force squad and Canisius. It looks like in the Atlantic as it has been for the last couple of years, that conference has surprised us in the past, but Air Force has proven year in year out they are for the time being the class of atlantic hockey and they're the team that comes out of that little conference that nobody should want to see come the ncaa tournament because that squad is one of the toughest outs in the ncaa tournament it seems like every year well uh just to highlight the little bit of dominance that they've had and also by the way if you have never seen if you've never had the pleasure of watching Frank Saratori at work in a press conference, go ahead, benefit yourself, watch Frank Saratori talk, and just have fun. He is a he is a gem. He is a beaut. He is he's awesome. He is one of the best quotes in all of college sports. He is a he is a national treasure, and he should be cherished for all time and all places. So uh, I, I think very highly of him, and uh, I think very highly of the job that he's done there. Uh, just in the last 11 completed seasons, Air Force has won the Atlantic in 07, 08, 09, 2011, 2012, 2017, and 2018. And the, uh, the other years, they, uh, they ended up finishing just one game short 
of reaching the uh, of reaching the Frozen Four. They lost in overtime in 2009 to Vermont. They in 2011 got knocked out in overtime by Yale, which you know, took them a lot to get knocked out there. They upset Western Michigan in 2017 and lost to Harvard in uh, in uh, in Providence that year. And they upset the number one overall seed in the tournament, St. Cloud, and then lost to Duluth two to one, the defensive heavy game, which they've got the skill, they've got the toughness. And the one thing that I've heard from every follower of sports in general, teams don't like playing the service academies. Those guys are tougher and more physically fit because they're military guys. And those guys are a completely different breed of athlete. They're held up to military fitness standards, and that is higher than your school. Absolutely. And just building on your point about Frank Saratori and press conferences, I have told this to people who don't necessarily follow college hockey and even other sports writers in the past. Press conferences with these coaches – not every coach, but a lot of the coaches in college hockey, they're a lot more unfettered than you're used to seeing press conferences and other sports. These are guys who will make jokes. These are guys who will be honest when asked questions. They're not worried about throwing someone under the bus or having some media frenzy on whatever they say, because that's not how college hockey works. And it leads to, just fun interactions. You want to see these guys speak. You want to hear what they have to say because of the way that they're, they're just not afraid to say it. And that goes for Saratori in particular. It goes for Jerry York. It goes for Norm Bazin. It goes for a lot of guys throughout the college hockey ranks that they're just fun to talk to. I'll offer one line. Just this will be a nice little taste for anyone who's never heard of Frank Saratori line. And I actually, uh, I watched some highlights this morning uh, of uh, of some of their past seasons. And Saratori, I don't remember what year this was from, but he had this one line of, there's three things I've never seen in this world. I've never seen Bigfoot. I've never seen, uh, I've never seen a Loch Ness Monster. And I've never seen a referee say he had a crappy game. I have seen Santa Claus, though. I met him with my brother Tom in a bar in San Francisco. Great guy, Santa. Loves his pops. That's the kind of comment that's the kind of wit that you're getting out of frank Saratori. you need to enjoy this man he is a national treasure and just so happens to also be one of the best uh collegiate hockey coaches that the sport has ever seen so uh, uh are, are you not entertained there absolutely he is he is a treasure for college hockey and as in all college sports, the real personalities of the programs that you come to know really comes from the top. It comes from coaching, and you you don't need to look much farther than the Air Force to see that. He is he's someone that's great to talk to, and he the coaching he puts forward again, it's it's not that much of an upset anymore when they win in the NCAA tournament just because they always come in so primed to do well. And you have to give a lot of credit to coaching on that, that they are you, they are ready. They are always prepared, which you would of course expect of a service Academy, but even more so of that air force program. Oh, absolutely. And 
um, when they went in to play against uh, against St. Cloud, I think they, whether it was right or not, I think there are a lot of people who did slight them and say, ah, oh, this should be a pretty easy walk for St. Cloud. They dominated the NCHC. They got knocked out in their tournament by one of those teams. No shame in that. They'll they'll squelch Air Force. And I do think that uh, there were a couple of guys on that team who uh, used that as direct motivation to go out and get the victory against uh, uh, against a team that I don't know if they took them lightly. I don't think they did. Uh, Bob Motzko gave Saratori and uh, and uh, the Falcons all the respect in the world, but whether it's just ginned up by commentators or uh, outside observers, I fully believe that those Air Force guys are motivated. And those service academy guys, one, are more fit than you, and two, they're some of the most motivated human beings that you'll ever get to meet. Like just the quality of the students who are at the Air Force Academy, not the athletes, mind you, just the quality of the, of the regular students at, at uh, West Point, at Annapolis, at uh, the Coast Guard Academy, at Air Force – they are some of the most impressive human beings that you'll ever get the opportunity to interact with. These guys happen to play hockey. And I don't think it's much of a slight to say that they do have an advantage over other teams in their own conference. Uh, it's just a praise of the kind of people that they have there. Canisius will give them a run for their money. I think particularly since the, uh, the Atlantic Hockey Tournament is moving from Rochester at the Blue Cross Arena to the Harbor Bank Center, which is actually Kinesia's home arena. So that could be an interesting setup. Air Force is having to possibly essentially play a road game for the, uh, for the conference tournament. Granted, everyone on the East Coast, every game for them on the East Coast is a road game for Air Force. So they're probably already used to that. They're the one team that really can't get upset about flying too much, I would suppose. Uh, that joke has been said many times and uh, will be said many more times uh, about uh, Saratori has made that joke many times and it is funny every single time. Question about Air Force while we're still on this topic. We mentioned Denver might take a step back. They're in a period of transition. We mentioned Colorado College on the rise. Is Air Force the best college hockey team in Colorado? right now hmm i'm not sure because i don't think we ever saw air force 100 percent last year in fact we never saw air force 100 percent last year 18 different players had injuries for them six players were shelved for the whole season for the falcons last year they still finished one game short of the frozen four what would have been their program's first frozen four ever so I want to see what these guys can do, especially the guys who've been there, like Brady Tomlack, who's a bruiser. Um, um, I'd love to see what uh, Evan Fino could do, what Dan Bailey could do, what Matt Saratori uh, could could, uh, could do for uh, uh, what Trevor Stone is able to accomplish and what Kyle Hake, who is the top cadet in his class, it's certainly possible. And the, the other guy who carried 
the uh, the Falcons last year was their goaltender, Billy Christopoulos or Billy the Greek. And everyone noted that he was the difference for their team making it there last year. And he'll actually have some help with, with uh, hopefully for them, they'll actually be healthy and not suffer as many injuries. So they could be. Um, I would want I'll, – I'll re-answer that question maybe two weeks, three weeks into the season when we actually get some resemblance of – uh, of an answer for what to expect out of these guys. But I just want to see what is the, uh, the opening schedule for air force to see what their early tests are. Oh, look at that. They get to open up hosting Denver on October 12th and then going to Colorado college. We might get our answer quicker than we ever expected. And after we just did a special about local tournaments and how everyone deserves to have those local rivalries, you don't necessarily think of service academies as local to where they're located because, of course, they draw from all over the country for obvious reasons, but they're right there with Colorado College. They're right in the same, essentially, neighborhood as Colorado College, and then there's Denver, so you're going to get to see the Colorado schools all play each other right off the bat, October 12th and 13th. On, on the 12th, Air Force opens up at home against Denver. And then on the 13th, they're on the road at Colorado College. Again, not very far down the road, but they're at Colorado College. And then right after that, they're at Canisius. So talk about a, getting right into it early. It's not necessarily the brutal opening to the season that we've talked about with some other teams but that's going to be telling for how far along this air force squad is early in the season it's no slouch i think they have the benefit they have one benefit that a lot of other teams are looking for and that's an established goaltender whom everyone in college hockey takes seriously in billy christopoulos who pretty much won by himself a series go uh, up at army in which uh the, the last game of a best of three series at West Point, which, by the way, Air Force and West and uh, Army is actually an awesome matchup as uh, any uh, meeting between service academies is normally a great time. But those two for this sport, it's it's awesome. Uh, lots of hits uh, and uh, lots of lots of good, hard, clean checks if you like uh, physical grindy hockey. Billy Christopoulos almost won that series single-handedly uh, for uh, for the Falcons. And he near single-handedly kept them in against Duluth and near single-handedly took down St. Cloud. And he was the big difference for everyone. And they have that benefit that uh, a lot of teams are still looking for. So Air Force has a big number of their problems already sorted out because they have a goaltender. That solves a lot of your problems in this sport. And of course, looking at the USCHO preseason rankings, Air Force doesn't have a number next to their name, but as the top team in a conference, you know, it's preseason rankings. We know they're not worth that much. We know it's almost just for fun. Couldn't they have been number 20? Why not throw a number next to their name? If it, it, since we pretty much all agree, Air Force is the class of the Atlantic. They've been tough in the NCAA tournament 
at some point they have to be rewarded in terms of a poll and in a preseason poll where they really don't matter, this would have been a nice time for the voters to just throw Air Force a little bone because they've been so good and they've been so good against some really good schools. But of course, again, we're not talking about rankings that ultimately matter much, but it just would have been nice. It would have been nice. I'll go along with that, that they're the first team out of the rankings and they're in the others receiving votes category. For whatever it's worth, uh, Northern Michigan, who is ranked number 20, has 98 points in the voting. Air Force has 94. A good opening week uh, for – and they're not that far behind Michigan Tech and Western Michigan, who uh, – I, I think Western Michigan is good, but I still argue that program is overranked a little bit just because it plays in the NCHC. I think Air Force could absolutely give a run for their money. For the early season, I think they'll probably will jump into into the rate into the uh, top rankings a bit. It'll just be telling to see what they do that opening weekend against uh, against the other Colorado schools. Um, so, and for pure travel stuff, they play a mostly Eastern base conference uh, schedule, and they're in Colorado. So, have fun, guys. Have uh, have fun with all that, but they're already in the best shape to be able to do that i'm sure they will i think that if they could have pulled off the upset against duluth last year and reached the frozen four there's no hesitation they'd be in in the rankings or if they would have beaten harvard they would be in the rankings they would have been rewarded for pulling that kind of an upset but you know i i guess they're rewarding uh the more direct results of uh that you're seeing i guess would be my answer fair enough moving on I think we can close out part one of this preview with a little bit of talk about the Big Ten, because I mentioned that the NCHC is pretty clearly the best conference in college hockey. If there is an argument to be had, at least last year, and it looks like this year as well, that would be the Big Ten. For all the, for all the talk and grumblings, especially in the upper Midwest, about the Big Ten's existence it's really a fun conference because these are rivalries, as we've discussed ad nauseum, that exist in almost every sport. And then you have Notre Dame, who plays all of these Big Ten schools in various sports on a regular basis. But this is the one time they're in the Big Ten. Preseason, they are the third ranked team in the Big Ten preseason poll behind Ohio State and Michigan, who both look extremely tough. Minnesota's number four. They look tough. Penn State's number five. They're ranked. They play that odd style of hockey that you just don't see anywhere else, at least in the college pro or higher ranks. It's it's going to be a fun conference. And, of course, the for the first time in the 2018-2019 season, I have to say, poor Sparty. There'll be many more times when uh, those two words get said uh, throughout because that team should, that program should be a lot higher up in uh, the places where you get recruited to, in the places that are considered the biggest hockey schools. Three national championships to their name, and it feels like they don't get any respect. They really should be. But your in state rival has Quinn Hughes, who is possibly the best defenseman. Uh, who is not a professional hockey player in the world. Quinn Hughes possibly could be. He was drafted, I think, fifth overall by Vancouver. 
So I could absolutely see uh, see Hughes leading Michigan back to the Frozen Four again. That's just that Michigan team with Norris and Slaker, and uh, that's a that's a quality team. And it's not like Michigan State doesn't have more good players to to boast. It's just Quinn Hughes will be a National Hockey League star when he gets there, and I don't think there's any possible argument about uh, the talent that he has and the talent that he leads for the Wolverines this year. And we mentioned Mel Pearson earlier. He'll be in his second year with that program. So they were good last year. They could be even better than that this year. And as well as they played in the NCAA tournament, that is a scary thing for a lot of schools to think about. And of course, their traditional rival in every sport is right there with them, the Ohio State Buckeyes. So, you know, talk about rivalries. The top three teams in this conference in the preseason poll for Big Ten hockey, Ohio State, Michigan, doesn't really need an introduction. Uh, And Notre Dame, with Ohio State and Michigan, also doesn't need much of an introduction. So this is going to be a loud conference in 2018-19 and especially consider how those three schools were the other representatives in the frozen four we had three reps from uh from one conference take part and none of them won the national championship and all of which which says a lot about how good uh, how good minnesota duluth is but worth noting that uh all of these teams uh, all of these Big Ten teams at the top of the conference have gigantic pieces of their team back for another year. There wasn't much transition. I mean, for Notre Dame, Kale Morris, who won the Mike Richter Award last year in his sophomore year, is back for his junior season. And he was almost enough kind of sort of by himself to get Notre Dame their first program, their program's first national championship. He was the best player in that game other than maybe Carson Coleman, he was the best player in that game going up against Duluth. And they bring back you know, other critical pieces like Cal Burke, like Tori like Tor Dello, like Matt Stevens, uh, Colin Thaysen, they Andrew Peake, Dylan Malmquist, and Cam Morrison. They bring back big pieces of their team last year. Michigan, I already noted how talented, how just incredible, Incredible Quinn Hughes is. He's back for another year getting to uh, take part in all this madness. And then Ohio State, Mason Jobs, Dakota Joshua, and Tanner Lazinski are all big pieces of that offensive unit back for another year that went from being a defense, 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 no one's scoring on us, to we have big offensive punch too. And all of those guys are back for another go around this year. That is is a remarkable amount of stability for uh, for any conference to have that much talent returning for uh, for another year, especially when it feels like more and more players are departing early to go play uh, go play pros. Uh, so I think that's a great thing for the for the Big Ten. That and look, you can have all your complaints and grumblings about the Big Ten uh, when it came into existence, but now it's here. It's a very good thing that it's a good conference because if it came in and was terrible then we'd have big reasons to grumble. But it's a good conference, and I think it's best for all of us if we roll with it and try to make it work as is. 
Well, and as I've said before, Notre Dame was a revelation in that conference. Just having them in that conference with those teams. You know what, Notre Dame, just admit it. You're a Big Ten school. Not just in hockey. You're a Big Ten school. Join the Big Ten. Just just knock it off. Now, take down the veil. Join the Big Ten. We want to see you play these teams in every sport all the time. This was a lot of fun. And speaking of Notre Dame, top four teams in the USCHO poll. Duluth, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Michigan. On October 26th and 27th, as we've discussed before, Notre Dame hosts Duluth. The next week, they host Ohio State for two games. After that, they travel to Michigan for two games. So the number two team in the preseason poll plays the number one, then number three, then number four team all in a row. Oh, God, these people are crazy. I, I respect it greatly for their scheduling. And, and then you also get to go to East Lansing and play. I, I know you're going to say poor Sparty a whole bunch, but that's still a pretty good team that they have to go up against. So, you know, no shame in uh, in that kind of scheduling that they have to deal with. Uh, so well done. Well done, guys. Oh, and later on this season, because it's not like the, the schedule relents, uh, the 31st, New Year's Eve, they host – Boston College, then Friday, January 4th, they host Michigan, and the 4th and 5th, they host Michigan. Then the 11th and 12th, oh, they host Minnesota. You know, the other Big Ten school that has one of the proudest traditions that we haven't even touched yet, that missed the NCAA tournament by 1,000th of a vote last, of a point last year. The Big Ten has some real depth talent-wise, beyond the top three because Minnesota and don't forget Penn state, they still have uh, the, it's still a shooting gallery out in happy Valley that you have to go into. So don't overlook the deeper parts of the big 10. That's still a talented and fun conference to get to get into. It, it truly is. And of course the Wisconsin Badgers have been kind of up and down in recent years, but there's another school with a lot of hockey tradition. They, it's a state that produces a lot of hockey players where people grow up playing the sport because, well, it's somewhere where water freezes. And if water freezes, someone's going to go on a pond that's frozen and drop a puck and grab a stick and start playing some hockey. It's just how it works. So Wisconsin, that's another state that has this proud hockey tradition. They're not toward the top of the Big Ten, but that doesn't mean to count them out. They're going to be a tough out whoever they play, whenever they play them. This is going to be a fun conference. And of course, there's not a school in it that doesn't have a long history of hating all the other schools in it and several others from other conferences. So this... It's a, it's a conference to never take your eye off of, and it's come a long way. I'll agree with that. I just hope that we can get it from above seven teams. When, uh, whenever Illinois is, uh, is able to put together a team uh, and put together a program, I really, really hope that they come in and uh, give a little bit more depth to that conference because seven teams – that doesn't feel like it's enough for a big-time conference. It feels like there needs to be more teams taking part in, uh, in, that, in that conference. So I hope that Illinois get that funding together for, uh, for the team as they, their athletic director 
uh, Josh Whitman has noted, we're still looking to fundraise stuff. So, uh, you know, there, uh, come on, get Illinois, get that program together uh, so that we can round out this conference. We need more teams in that conference. Granted, we need more teams in this sport generally, but this will be, this will be a good time. I'll, I, I'm circling a game between Michigan and Penn State that they're playing at Madison Square Garden, and I'm hoping that people go to and uh, and uh, enjoy that game. I'll probably be on press row for that game as well because it's an excuse to go to Madison Square Garden. I may as well. Absolutely. I don't see why you'd pass that up. That's one of the great palaces of sports in general, especially here in America. So. It, it's the kind of place you have to see. You've seen it before. You love that place. And, and why wouldn't you? It, it's just such a, a wonderful building. I think we might need to wrap it up there. I'm getting kicked out of my studio. That's fair enough. We'll be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, to finish off our college hockey preview. This has been Puck University. Please follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcast. For Chris Lynch up in Boston, I'm Tim Williams. As always, keep your head up and your hits clean. <laughs>